With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to F1 Nation's review of the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. We're in the heart of the paddock here at Interlagos, where Max Verstappen did what Max Verstappen does best. The reigning world champion is on his way to win number 17 of the season. Max Verstappen wins the Sao Paulo Grand Prix with a superb drive. Lando Norris took second, while Fernando Alonso and Sergio Perez raced right to the finish line. Fernando Alonso across the line, he gets close, he just hangs on in a superb finish to the line. It was decided for third place by 53 thousandths of a second. But it was a mystifying weekend for Mercedes. I just wrote an email back to the factory saying I feel not for six by it because never in my wildest dreams would I imagine that we would have the torrid weekend we just had. As always, there's plenty to dissect here on F1 Nation with me, Tom Clarkson, and I'm joined this week by French journalist Fred Ferre from L'Equipe and recently crowned Formula 3 champion Brazil's Gabriel Bortoleto. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, guys, so many stories for us to discuss on F1 Nation this evening, but that Max victory, he's extended his record to 17. What did you like about Max Verstappen's race today, Gabrielli? I think everything that Max has done this year, especially, let's say, this race is a special. I think he's very good because he's very consistent during the race. He doesn't make any mistake, you know, and it's very easy to make mistakes on this type of car because it's very fast. You know, it's, the races are very long, so you have 72 laps to make a mistake, but Max, he managed to do 72 laps if he wants in the same tent. It's impressive, and that's why he's probably the best in the grid right now. Yeah, it was, it was a stunning performance, and yes, I think it was lap seven, he had Lando Norris paying close attention, but it was only for one lap. Man, when he realized <laughs> that he tried to overtake him, I think he pushed just for one lap and he pulled a gap of 1.5. So Lando was very good. You know, he was very impressive as well. McLaren was impressive, but, you know, to get Max, we need a little bit more, I would say, two, three tenths. This is going to be super aggressive between the two of them. Alonso's fought his way back through. What a move, Fernando Alonso, on the last lap. And the crowd absolutely loved it. Fernando Alonso across the line. He gets close. He just hangs on in a superb finish to the line. It was decided for third place by 53 thousandths of a second. After an entire Grand Prix distance, Fernando Alonso on the podium for the eighth time this season but surely that is the sweetest one of all
Fernando, coming to you now. What a memorable race for you. Just 53 thousandths of a second ahead of Checo at the flag. It's your eighth podium of the season, but surely this is the sweetest of them all. Uh, I'm not sure. The closest, for sure. Um, yeah, it, it was a very intense race and, and it was no time to relax. Very strategic race as well. Uh, saving the tyres, saving the battery always in case you need it uh, on a DRS opportunity for Checo. And then, uh, yeah, honestly, I thought, I thought that I had things under control in the last stint uh, until maybe five laps to the end where I start pushing a little bit more. I had more juice on the tyres and I thought everything was... It was fine, and, and then Checo was, was playing the same game. He had a good tire uh, at the end of the race, and uh, yeah, he, he overtook me two laps to the end, and I thought, okay, this is gone. And then I had one more chance, and it was enough. How did you stay ahead of him without DRS for so many laps? I think when you run just in front of another car, you have better dampers, you have clean air, and that was maybe good for me in terms of tire management, and, and he was struggling a little bit to go into 10, 10, 11 and 12 uh, behind another car. And, and that was probably the game that we were playing. Those three corners were crucial for um, for the overtaking opportunity. And, and yeah, being the car in front, maybe you have better grip always. Fernando, how much of a shot in the arm is this for both, for both you and the team after what's been a handful of very difficult races for Aston Martin? It is very nice. I think uh, we've been struggling for a few months, but the last two races were probably um, quite painful. We, we had to experiment a little bit on a few uh, things on the car to really understand the, the direction that we were going and we have to go for next year's car as well. So those races were painful, especially Mexico. I think we were very slow as a team, as a, as a performance, and uh, all the determination in the team was so nice uh, from the outside to see and, and to go deep in the analysis and, and, and get back stronger here in Interlagos. So, yeah, I was a little bit concerned, no doubt, for the last few races and, and maybe this final part of the championship. And now, yeah, I cannot wait to go to Vegas. So it's a very different energy when, when you have a, a performing car. I am still buzzing from that last lap when Fernando Alonso beat Sergio Perez by 53 thousandths, thousandths of a second. It was stunning. Ah, he's a legend. <laughs> Nothing to add. I think Fernando, it doesn't matter what team, what position or whatever he is, he will always give his 100%. And that's what I most admire on him because last year was the same thing. I was here, not with McLaren, I was just with Fernando and he had a problem and in the radio was like he was in P1 because he, he kept pushing, he was keeping motivating the team and everything and it's impressive because he always does this and today was the same thing. When Perez overtook him, everyone started to you know, screen and everything but I was sure that he would try to overtake him back. The thing that amazed me is the way he's capable of doing everything. He's a driver, but he's a tactician, he's a motivator, and he does everything. Team principal Mike Cracks walked past us. He's, he's currently stacking chairs. <laughs> Everyone's just mucking in here at Aston Martin after the race. Yeah, we are, we are a team, so uh, we all uh, help each other to get ready and get out. We have been on the road for three weeks and uh, we are happy to go home now. And you're happy because it's a stunning turnaround by you guys today. I mean, third and fifth. Coming into the weekend, could you dream of that? 
No, no. I mean, uh, when you look back at the previous races, uh, we could not dream of that, to be to be honest. Uh, but uh, we wanted to, to put the best package we have uh, to come here, which uh, we decided to do that. And uh, then when uh, the, the free practice started, we saw that we were competitive. Uh, the same in qualifying and the same in the races then. And uh, that was quite encouraging. And I think obviously today we, we gained also a little bit by driving in free air, uh, which always helps. You know, uh, you, have, you have clean air in front of you, you can, you can get the maximum out of your car. But all in all, I think, you know, it, it showed that it was really great teamwork, you know, to come back to where we have been. It's not just, you know, someone uh, saying we do this. It's really a lot of analysis, a lot of data, a lot of uh, meetings and decisions to make. And uh, I think we, are, we, we have shown that uh, by working hard together, we can do that. How much Fernando is an help when you are suffering like you have been suffering since the summer? It's not only Fernando. It's uh, it's the, the, all the drivers. Uh, it's all the team. It's uh, everywhere. It's you know it's it's everywhere and everyone. Uh, they have their part to play. Obviously, they drive the car, so they are a very important sensor of all of this. But uh, it's also important to look at all your sensors. It's not only what the drivers are doing. So uh, we we try to make them part of the team. You know, they are clearly integrated, and uh, this is how we how we operate. It was a stunning performance by you guys. Are you confident that you can maintain this for the last two races? Yes. Because you found something on the car? No, just because I'm happy today. <laughs> I just want to keep the momentum. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the cards will be, will be mixed. Uh, Vegas will be completely different. Uh, it will be a completely different downforce level. It will be cold, a new surface. I, I don't know, Tom, honestly. Stunning day for you guys. Great for the Constructors' Championship. Well done to you, Mike. Thank you very much. Travel safe. We'll see you in Vegas. Before we move on from Aston Martin, though, uh, Gabriele, I wanted to ask you about Fernando Alonso because people listening to this may not know that he is actually your manager. We've seen how good he is in a racing car. We've had a reminder today of just how good he is in a racing car. What is he like as a manager? I think Fernando, he can do everything, basically. <laughs> he's, so very, he's good at that as well. Yeah, he's amazing as that as well. I think he was the one guy that probably helped also the most on my contract with McLaren, for example. Even when things were not going so well in, in Aston, he managed to get a little bit of his time in the races to go there and speak to Zach and, uh, you know, to find out how to close this deal. And I think this is very good because... Yeah, I don't speak to Fernando every week. I don't speak to him uh, every time he's on track because I know he's busy. But every time he sees me, he gets a little bit of his time to talk to me, to ask me if everything is going well. And for sure, he knows everything is going on in my career because there is not only him on A14. It's him, Alberto and Albert, and they all work as a team. Now, just before you clinched the Formula 3 title in Monza, isn't there a story that he left you a long voice note, just a, a little bit of advice? The voice message came uh, not in Monza, was much earlier in the season, but I would say for sure it helped for the whole season because it was like a 10 minute voice message and uh, it was very cool because he told me a lot of things to focus in the championship and to get the, as much points as I can. And, uh, and yeah, it was very good. So for all of Alonso's brilliance today, of course, his main battle was with Checo Perez. Checo, a little bit under the cosh coming here after what happened in Mexico last weekend at the first turn. A lot of people speculating about his future. He needed a good result. And I still think he delivered it. What about you, Fred? 
of course, he was third at the sprint race yesterday, so he was on his way back. And if he had met a normal driver, he would have finished on the podium. And we were not speaking about that's only fourth place for Checo. It would be with two podium, and it would be nice for him. But unfortunately for him, he had, he had to beat, I think, for me, the best driver on this paddock now. Yeah, it was. I mean, Fernando was stunning, but. But still, I felt it was a very controlled race. In fact, it's been a very controlled weekend by Checo in terms of he's built up steadily over the weekend. He delivered a good sprint and he wasn't going Taking to... risk when it needed to take. Yeah, and I think he thought it, as you say, I think he thought he had it in the bag when he overtook Fernando with, what, a lap to go. And it was only the brilliance of Alonso that got it back. Fernando answered you on the press conference that even him, when he was overtook by Checo, said, okay, now it's over. And then suddenly he said, oh, I have two more laps, so let's try something. <laughs> what did you make of, of Checo's drive today? I think Checo did a very, very good job. You know, it's difficult to compare him to Max at this point. Max has an extra confidence. Max has won the championship already. He has nothing to lose and Checo is under a lot of pressure. But... I think he delivered today. He showed a good pace. He was very quick, still not on the pace of Max. But I think even if Checo is in his best form, he will not get Max's best form. But as Fred say, Fernando is not a normal driver. So it's difficult to say Checo didn't deliver or deliver. But for me, he did a very good job today and he should be proud of it. And even if he's only fourth, I think he's very close to secure the second place of the championship which is his target. Yeah, and the gap between uh, Perez in second and Hamilton in third is now 32 points, two races to go. Yeah, it's, it's going to require some serious misfortune for Perez not to deliver that second place now, isn't it? The weekend started with Alonso and Perez, rumor, swapping seats. And the first thing that Fernando taught us is also not only a driver, not only a technician, but it's also a journalist. Because he's very, he was very upset by all that social media remorse. And he told us, us journalists of the written press, I'm so happy that you are there because I want to fight for you. All guys who are paying your tickets and going all over the world. And you know the truth. And I want to fight these bad guys because they're spreading bad news and they don't know anything about Formula 1 on the paddock and they should come here. So it was very nice gesture. I thought he was very quick to refute Helmut Marko's suggestion that Fernando had even planted the story that he was going to Red Bull in, in, in the position of Checo Perez. But there's no doubt, is there, that Fernando Alonso will be at Aston Martin next year, leading the charge for them. Especially when you hear him uh, today saying that they found something, just like Mike Crack said, they're not lost with their car. They're a small team becoming a big team. So they need to uh, rethink things and reshape the way they're building the next car. But I think the next car won't be a bad one, just like the McLaren one. Gabriel, how much does pressure affect drivers? I mean, let, let's think about Checo's situation coming into the weekend. As Fred's just told us, there was speculation that Fernando was going to replace him. And how does that affect you, particularly if you, when you've had a first corner crash the previous weekend? I think it affects a lot because at the end of the day, to make a perfect lap and to compete with the best drivers in the world, as Formula One is, you need to have a, you know, your head very clear when you start a qualifying lap, for example, because you just think about your technique of driving, you just think about making the perfect lap and putting the car the best he can do. So 
I think when you have this pressure, you cannot focus on all these things, you know, techniques or, for example, before the race weekend, you prepare the race weekend on, with the team and everything. But when you have all these speculations going on, like Fernando is going to replace him, he's going to leave Red Bull or that or that, it doesn't help. He cannot focus on what he really needs to focus. But for sure, Checo is a very experienced guy. He knows how to deal with it. And he showed today that he can come back. But he needs to keep doing this. And I think he will. I think he will. Although he's never been on the podium here at Interlagos. And that record will continue for at least one more year. Look at this at nearly 200 miles per hour down to turn one on lap number eight. And that is a defensive shape thrown by Max Verstappen, who is under pressure from his great friend. They're at the front of the field. They're battling now for the lead in Sao Paulo. Lando Norris has never taken the win in a Grand Prix and he's going around the outside or at least trying to. Brilliant effort from Lando Norris for the first time really in a long time. You are watching Max Verstappen. Check the left mirror, check the right mirror. Game on in Brazil. Great pace all weekend. Just always one car in the way. And Lando, your driver of the day as well. Let's go! Back to back to back. Three in a row. Lando, if we could come to you now. Let's cut to the chase. Was that your best start in Formula One? Sixth to second in just a few metres? In terms of position changes, yes. Um, I don't think it's my like the quickest one, but um, it's all relative in the end of the day. So it was um, a pleasant surprise to come out in, in P2 uh, already after turn one. You know, I was expecting and we planned a lot for... 20 laps in traffic and, and some overtakes and a bit of fun. And um, I still had fun, but from P2 already. So it was, uh, yeah, a good uh, a good step up from yesterday. I'm not far behind uh, for the first, you know, 10, 15, 17 laps. But then that final phase, I just drop off a bit too much. And I don't know if it's just we're a bit slower and I'm pushing a bit more to try and keep up. And then I pay the price uh, or it's just a little bit of our tire degradation is not quite as good. And we're suffering the slow speed quite a bit with the rears and that's where we struggle then with the, the lap time in the end so clear things to, to improve on like I said yesterday but still a, a very positive day for us. And do you think an overtake was genuinely on on that lap when you were very close to max after the restart? I mean was it on? I mean I tried but <laughs> you know we, we struggled too much in turn, turn 10, turn 12 it's where the Red Bull is extremely competitive and we, we struggle, I have struggled all weekend apart from when we're on new tyres. And of course, on that restart, I used my new tyres and Max didn't. So I thought if I was going to have one opportunity, it was going to be there and then. So I used all my battery and of course at DRS and then you you start catching them very quickly. I had a good then line in turn one, turn two, but Max also had a lot of grip. So, you know, if it was uh, maybe later on in the stint, it was his line in turn one, turn two would have been a lot more compromised and a bigger penalty. But uh, because the tyres were so fresh and uh, provided a lot of grip, he had a good enough exit that I then only got alongside him just before the braking zone for turn four. So, I mean, I tried. I would have tried to get past him if I could and I wanted to. But just, uh, yeah, a couple more metres would have been lovely. Let's now talk about Lando Norris in particular and your team, Gabriel. You're dressed in papaya. Do we call it papaya or do you just prefer to call it orange? <laughs> papaya. Papaya is good. No, it sounds good. He did an amazing job today, uh, nothing to say. He has been very impressive the whole weekend. I've been part of the meetings of the team and I've been learning so much this weekend, especially with him, because 
he goes so much into details and he's so precise on everything he says. And I'm proud that I have the possibility to be part of McLaren for Interlagos Grand Prix because he's shown why he's able to almost match Verstappen today. And um, yeah, he has done an amazing job. What is it about the debriefs and Lando Norris that does impress you so much? He's the type of guy that he, he speaks a lot in the debriefs, but it's just very important information. It's not like he keeps talking with no important information for the team or something that will not help the team to get better and better. And he says that the car is having a problem, but at the same time, he managed to say why. So the team can attack the right way. And I think this is very good about him. And it was very impressive. And for sure, it will change also my mindset in my next uh, races. Fred, for you, was this the closest that McLaren has been to Red Bull this year? I'm not sure. I maybe would say Qatar because of the sprint and uh, the PS3 demonstration. I'm afraid that maybe uh, Max uh, was asleep uh, part of the race and he received a, a call from a GP around mid-race saying, can you uh, keep the pace up, please? And then suddenly it was only four seconds and he went to uh, 14 quickly. So, And even Londo was not sure that they were that close to uh, Max. But I mean, that start today from Lando, I, I asked him in the press conference, was that the best start you've ever made to go from sixth to second in, what, 100 meters, 150 meters? But I don't want to under, underestimate Lando. I think uh, the whole paddock is underestimating what Lando did since they are the good car. Since Austria is, the, is over delivering because I think the car is good. So I think in the last six races, he only missed one podium, which is Mexico. And he's been the second highest point scorer since Austria, second only to Max Verstappen. So we're seeing huge consistency from him. I would just love to see him win a race. You know what it's like to win a race and what it does for your confidence, right? Not that he's lacking confidence, but I just feel that that'll, he'll suddenly become the complete package. Yeah, I need to add something about Lando um, because it's not easy also to start a season in the car that McLaren had that they were out of Q2, like they were going out of Q1 with the two cars probably almost last and they were still missing like half a second to go to Q2. And now they are possible the second best force in Formula 1. I think Lando is a big part of this because as a driver, the best thing the team can have is the feedback of a driver to improve the car. And having a rookie like Oscar, that is a very impressive kid as well, and Lando, for sure, Lando has been a very good team leader, I think. And, uh, and yeah, answering your question now about winning a race, from my experience this season, when I won my first race, I had a massive confidence, massive. And I won the second in a row, and I had even more confidence. But sometimes it's a little, a little bit too much, so you need to be careful. But it's very good. It's, it's not something bad, and I wish I can have this again. Well, I think when it happens, if McLaren come up with a car that's capable of winning next year, when that first win happens, I could just see it mushrooming very quickly and him putting together a championship challenge. But let's hope that happens. Now, a team that didn't have such a good weekend as McLaren, it has to be said, is Mercedes. And I, for one, was expecting an awful lot more. How about you? I have to confess that uh, we published a big interview of Toto Wolf this morning because I was hoping that uh, Mercedes could deliver and I think I'm as surprised as the team itself because 
they were not expecting that kind of result at all. We're joined now by technical director James Allison. James, I for one, especially after what happened here last year and what's gone on last weekend in Mexico, I thought you were going to go really well this weekend. Were you caught out by the pace of the car? Yeah, of course we were. Uh, yeah, I just wrote an email back to the factory saying I feel not for six by it because we came here. It would have been too much to imagine that there was a repeat of last year's win because, you know, the stars would have to align somewhat for that. But I, I felt we'd be troubling the podium. Now, you could say, well, you've been undone by your own hubris, but but never in my wildest dreams would I imagine that we would have the torrid weekend we just had. And uh, in some ways, there's a comfort in that because we must have just got something wrong. And we'll go off and uncover what that was. And uh, with a bit of luck, under the lovely thing that racing gives you, a couple of weeks time, we'll come back and, and hopefully put it to bed. James, how were the problems manifesting themselves on the racetrack? What were the drivers saying? The main issue was uh, hot rear tyres, uh, which would give you a snappier end and would give you the sort of tyre degradation we saw, but also an annoying amount of understeer. Now, when you've got a balance that's all at sea like that, it's very easy to nibble away with every bit of throttle you put down, every turn of the wheel, a bit of the tyres. And uh, the tyres for everybody were tender here and we got it in a place where a single lap pace that was okay very quickly became more than mediocre as we as we gobbled our tires up and that's normally a strength of ours so particularly upsetting to weather that storm here so when you say we must have got something wrong have you got i mean you must have some ideas as to what what that would be i mean every weekend the job is to land the car in a place where it is as happy as it can be Sprint weekends put a particular pressure on that because you sort of get one go at it, maybe and adjust in the one hour you get. And we clearly haven't landed it where it did its best work. And that's not an excuse because everyone, it's a sprint weekend for everyone. And, uh, and that one hour is what everybody has. But we generally get that right, but not here. And what does this mean for Vegas and Abu Dhabi? I don't know, because it's too early to understand what we did or what we, what we should have done. But by the time we figure that out, which we'd definitely be able to do before Vegas, then hopefully we'll make sure we don't fall down that little hole again. Thank you for your time, thank you. Guys, I love talking to James Allison because he's so matter of fact about it all. There's, there's no excuses, would you agree? I totally agree. Even when they are winning, they give you the proper explanation for everything. The proper win or the proper loss like they did this weekend. I think these, these cars are so complicated to understand that even Mercedes can make mistakes. We saw it yesterday, I think uh, they underestimate the cooling of the car and they suffer of it. On the other side, the, the, the French team, uh, especially with Gasly, was thinking that they made a big mistake and uh, at the end uh, you can see that uh, Pierre is seventh with uh, an Alpine in front of one Mercedes, which is quite nice. And I think they don't understand either yet how they, they did that. I think in a nutshell, what we've seen from Mercedes actually explains the difference between Red Bull and the entire grid. I don't believe that at any point, maybe Suzuka, but really at any point, Red Bull have been miles ahead of the opposition. They've just been more consistent. That RB19 has performed at every racetrack whereas everyone else has been up and down like a yo-yo. Lewis Hamilton, 
He's been winning races in Formula One since 2007. Dare I even ask how old you were in 2007? <laughs> I was three years old. <laughs> <laughs> so for as long as you can remember, Lewis has been like an icon of Formula One. Absolutely. He's a completely legend. Uh, I think he, he has shown this. He's a seven-time world champion, and there is no doubt of what he's capable of doing. He's, he's through a moment now that for sure he wouldn't... He's not liking it so much, and uh, I think Mercedes is struggling to get the car back, but that's how Formula One works. There was a time as well that Mercedes was dominating the championship. Now they are having some problems, and Red Bull is dominating it. But as I said, nothing is impossible. We have seen what McLaren did by getting very close to Red Bull. Why not Mercedes can do that as well? They are a very big team, and they have won many championships in the past as well. I'm already looking ahead to the first day of testing in Bahrain next winter, Fred, where I guess it'll be Lewis Hamilton, maybe George, rolls out of the garage. In fact, no, they'll probably do a shakedown at Silverstone before we get to Bahrain, but there will be so much emphasis on those first few laps because a racing driver can tell whether a car is born well or badly within a few laps, can't you? I never drove a Formula One car. But, but any car, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you know when the car is it's good or not. Uh, every category I've done since now, I think the first, like for example, the Formula 3 for me was like this. First lap I've done, I opened the radio and I was like, I love this car, this is amazing. <laughs> it was so nice to drive and I think it's the same thing for Formula 1. When you get in a car and you feel the car is stable, good front, good rear, good traction, it's the best car you can have. But sometimes you just go on track and everything is a disaster and you know that the car is not ready to win races again. Oh, I can't believe it! I can't believe it! Charles Leclerc has gone off the road on the formation lap! Absolutely extraordinary! The Ferrari driver, due to start in second place, has found the barriers and his body language tells you all you need to know. Inexplicable! Nah, I lost the hydraulics. I lost the hydraulics. Why the f*** am I so unlucky? Why the f*** am I so unlucky? Now, down at Ferrari, Fred, do you think there are long faces? Well, there's one very long face, and that's uh, a Monegasque racing driver. Um, oh, poor where, Charles. I mean, Charles not even making the Could start agree, of the Grand Prix. Did you manage to catch up with him after the race? No, no, because I was on the race, but uh, I heard it was an hydraulic problem that put him aside. It was not a mistake, just like um, another French driver had on this track, uh, I think it was 18 or 19, when Grosjean crashed on the, on the way to the grid before the start. But the reliability has been particularly poor at Ferrari. Let's not forget that in Qatar, Carlos Sainz failed to make the start. And this actually registers as a fail to make the start for Charles Leclerc as well. And that's, they're what, th three races apart, four races apart. Yeah, I think that's the next thing they have to work on. First was uh, understanding that car that the uh, the new management received like a, a curse gift, and now the second thing is uh, working on a uh, reliability because they have that worked too for next year. What about the raw pace of that Ferrari? I mean, let's not forget Charles Leclerc did line up on the front. Well, was destined to line up on the front row of the grid. I think if you look at the pace of uh, Carlos on the last hint. It's very encouraging and imagine that if you can build uh, whatever you want. But Lando 
And Fernando said that in cool air, it was so easy to manage tires. And Charles is becoming very good at that work, especially when he's not in the traffic. So we, we can imagine that maybe Fernando would have been fighting against Charles for the last place on the podium. When I say Ferrari to a young driver, what's the first thing that comes to mind, Gabriel? Oh, that's a difficult question. I think it depends how young you are. <laughs> if you have seen Michael Schumacher, you would say he's one of the best team of all time. For sure, the most famous team and historical. But to be honest, everything I remember of Formula One, it's difficult to say, but they are not a winning team, you know. I've seen Mercedes winning, I've seen Red Bull winning, but I remember Ferrari with Vettel as well when they had the chance, but they didn't win. I know they are capable of doing this, but they need to fix this very quickly. But I'm sure that they they will because it's Ferrari. <laughs> they will. The might of Ferrari will get there. There have been enough glimpses about the pace of that car to give them confidence for next year, I feel. Carlos, this is perfect timing. We're just discussing the pace of your racing car this weekend. Are you pleased with it? I think we were, uh, yeah, maybe a bit slower than expected, at least uh, going into a race. I thought maybe I could fight the Aston Martins and get them. But uh, in reality, they were just maybe half a tenth, a tenth quicker all race than us, you know, and reminds me a bit of Sandboard, you know, where in the, these longer corners, longer combined corners, uh, this um, Aston Martin was quicker, they were on the podium and also uh, Alpine no? were quite quick there. And uh, look here, they were finished only five seconds behind us. So yeah, it shows uh, it was not our best track. What about the reliability of the car? Because you failed to start in Qatar, Charles effectively failed to start here. How concerned are you? I'm uh, more relatively concerned, but at the same time, it's the end of the season. I think it's always tough on parts, so many back to back, uh, clearly, there's teams having less issues than us, so it shows that we need to do better. But at the same time, um, we're pushing at the limit with the battle with uh, Mercedes, and it, you always expose yourself, no? Uh, maybe other teams are running with a bit more margin. Okay. Look, Carlos, thanks for your time. Travel Thank you. safe. We'll see you in Vegas. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Let's move on to Alpine now, because on paper, it was a good result for the team. They got both cars in the points, Gasly 7th and Ocon 10th, but... I felt Ocon, anyway, looked a little bit frustrated after the race. You have to remember that he had a huge crash against Fernando yesterday morning. Just remind everybody, in case they hadn't, didn't see it, what happened in practice. So at the exit of turn two, maybe Esteban lost his car, but he says that he didn't lose it, and crashed on Fernando, who was on a slow lap, and totally destroyed the Alpine. So it was a tough job for the Alpine boys to uh, build a new car for the sprint race. Then they were starting, I think they, they were penalized afterwards, him and uh, Pierre for uh, impeding on the new rule of the FIA. So they were starting back of the grid and having the two of them in the points, it's quite impressive. Esteban, I think, started the weekend on the wrong foot and He's behind Pierre, I think, for quite a few races, even if last week he was in front of him. 
but I think he's really upset because he will finish the year behind his teammate and he doesn't like that. Well, and, and Pierre has already won the qualifying head-to-head -head in that team as well. Do you sense that things are coming to a head there? Because, you know, the, 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 the friendship, in inverted commas, between the two drivers has been written and spoken about so much this year, but at least from the outside, it looks like they've kept a lid on it. Are things okay on the inside? I, I think it's okay and it's not okay. They are two tough drivers and they know each other since they were born. They started uh, karting together when they were three. So uh, they know every trick of the other. They know how to behave in the team because they knew, uh, they look in the karting teams how they were behaving. They were, the parents were friends. So it's, it's kind of difficult. And I'm pretty sure that for Esteban, it must be tough to be long time part of Alpine team and seeing a new guy coming and being in front of him. He's a real competitor and he can't accept that. He, he worked like hell when he was the teammate of Fernando and he tried to be as he's at the level of Fernando and he managed to do it. So having now, I think Pierre is having more than 12 or 15 points ahead with two races to go. It's impossible that he can earn a miracle podium, but Gabriel, that would be tough. It's, it's an extraordinary thing for a sportsman, isn't it? How, let's talk specifically about racing, but how you start racing your opponents when you're really young and then you all move up through the ladder together. I mean, okay, you're in Formula 3, you're going to Formula 2 next year, but you've been racing a lot of the guys for many years, haven't you? You get to know them really well. Yeah, I think next year will be probably the first year that I'm not racing probably against Mini and Beganovic. Yeah, I've been racing them since I was 11, 12 years old. Now I'm 19. And yeah, it's, it's unbelievable because it's very cool. And I actually love to race them because we have a history together. We know what each other does normally and we know how to play each other as well. And this is very cool. And some, next year will be, for sure, we'll race some, some guys that have been racing for some years already. And it will be very interesting for me and I need to start studying that again. Well, unfortunately for Alpine, they are marooned in sixth place in the Constructors' Championship. So however many points Pierre and Esteban get between now and the end of the year, they are going to finish sixth. Fred, I don't know whether we're going to get you on F1 Nation again before the end of the year, but in case we don't, has this year been a good year, a bad year? How will everyone in Enstone and Veery reflect on what's gone on? I think that even if the results are not the best they were expecting, it will be a good year because they decided to have a huge change in the team. It was quite chaotic at summertime with the big boss being sacked, then the team principal being sacked. But at the end, now they move on on a new platform and they're ready to work on. And if you speak inside the team, the atmosphere has really changed and it's but like for the better yeah of course everybody is coping together more than before there is less pressure maybe because they knew even before the boss was sacked that they will finish six it was quite obvious that there were no no chance to uh, to do better but now i think they're working on a new platform and they're hoping for the best for next year So the top 10 look like this. 
Max Verstappen took a record-breaking 17th win of the season ahead of Lando Norris in second. Fernando Alonso made it an eighth podium of the year in third, just 53 thousandths of a second ahead of Sergio Perez in fourth. Lance Stroll completed Aston Martin's dramatic turnaround in form in fifth, ahead of the only Ferrari driver in the race, Carlos Sainz, in sixth. Seventh was Pierre Gasly ahead of Hamilton in eighth, Tsunoda in ninth and Esteban Ocon in tenth. In the Drivers' Championship, Max Verstappen continues his relentless march at the top of the table, his lead over teammate Perez now a whopping 266 points. Hamilton is 32 points adrift of Perez in third, with Alonso 28 points behind him in fourth on 198. Then it gets close. Norris is just three points behind Alonso in fifth, and Sainz is just three more points further back in sixth. In seventh, it's Leclerc on 170 points, Russell is eighth on 156, and Piastri is ninth on 87, and wrestling his way back into the top 10 is Lance Stroll on 63. In the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull's lead over Mercedes in second extends to exactly 400 points. Ferrari are just 20 points behind Mercedes on 362, with McLaren fourth on 282. Aston Martin's strong weekend in Brazil edged them to within 21 points of McLaren, while Alpine are marooned in sixth on 108 points. The battle for seventh, eighth, ninth and tenth is bubbling away very nicely. Williams in seventh are just seven points ahead of Alpha Tauri, who in turn are just five points ahead of Alfa Romeo in ninth, with Haas only four points further back in tenth. Guys, it's been fantastic to have you both on the show. We always end with our driver of the day. Lando Norris won the vote on the telly. Uh, Gabriel, who was your driver of the day? I've got a feeling I know who you're going to say, but anyway, who is it? Fernando Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he has been amazing today, and I think for me he will be the driver of the day. That why? Just why specifically? Why was he better than Max? It's difficult to say better than Max, you know. I also feel bad to not say Max. Everyone is getting so used to him to win. He's not overtaking anyone anymore. I need to give this to Fernando because he has done an amazing job in the last lap defending and also overtaking Perez back. This was amazing because he had a car that is less good. You see Max results and Perez results and you see Fernando and his teammate. You can see that Aston is quite, quite far away from Red Bull and he still managed to finish P3. So that's the reason why. Brilliant. And Fred, who's your driver of the day? I totally agree, Fernando Alonso, without any doubt. Being on the podium with this Aston Martin is so impressive. Well, Fernando was brilliant today. And just to give the listeners a little bit of food for thought, I'm actually going to say Lando Norris. I'm going to go with the telly vote because I think he's been inch perfect all weekend. And if anyone else had been driving that Red Bull today, I think he may well have won it. He's just so overdue that win. But anyway, he can take a little bit of pleasure from being driver of the day on the telly. Well, guys, thank you both very much for your time. Gabriel, well done on the F3 Championship this year. Of course, we've said already, but you're the champion. What are your plans for 2024? Formula 2, but I cannot say the team yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, that's the plan. Let's do well also there. And uh, thank you very much for having me in the show. I've enjoyed a lot. Thank you, Fred. It was a pleasure. And, uh, Try your French team in F2. <laughs> <laughs> Fred, before we go, we've got one of the most 
eagerly anticipated new races coming up in two weeks' time. It's Las Vegas, the bright lights. How much are you looking forward to it? It's going to be so tough for everyone. It's the end of the year, but I think everyone wants to see what it's going to be, that magic driving in the middle of the night, in the middle of the cold. Maybe engineers picks about five or 10 degrees for the quality. Uh, having all the show that it would be like uh, the Super Bowl halftime. It's going to be crazy like we never experienced in F1. I asked Max Verstappen about it a little bit earlier in the day. This is what he said about Vegas. I, I still need to go on the simulator. I still don't even know the track, to be honest. So uh, <laughs> the last time I tried it on the F1 game, I think I hit more walls than I was going straight. So <laughs> let's hope that's not the case when, when, I'm, when I start driving there. I mean, it's going to be very different to, uh, to here. Very low temperatures, of course, in the night there. Street circuit, we have no experience there. We don't know the track grip. All new. So maybe we'll give you a few surprises. I don't know. So if that's what Max is thinking, make sure you watch the race in two weeks' time. And of course, next Monday, we'll be back with our preview to the Las Vegas Grand Prix. So please do join us for that. But for now, F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. <laughs>